JC Corner episode 121. We've got a special guest today, and it took 121 episodes uh, to get this person on, which is long overdue. Long overdue, because seriously, this is one of my heroes, Brooks, and I have learned so much from this woman. I've had the privilege of knowing her for like 30 some odd years, and uh, really, she's not only one of my heroes, I admire her so much, and there's so many gifts that God has given to her that I wish I had. Um, you know, she is uh, extraordinarily gifted uh, with a great mind, a great heart. Uh, she was actually the most outstanding athlete in her high school. Uh, and that's pretty cool. I share that with no her. But anyway, <laughs> no big deal. It's right. It's awesome. Couple two time state champion. But let's get to the good stuff. Uh, we really have one of my favorites. Her name is Jesse Fleming. Um, Jesse Fleming is a mother to three children. Uh, three years of age and younger. A little Polly June is uh, three years old before in November. And uh, she has twins. Uh, I think there's 20 months, uh, is, if my math is right. Susanna Catherine, she goes by Zuzu, uh, also a little boy. They're uh, fraternal twins uh, who's 20 months. And so, and she's married to Todd, who's doing his residency in ophthalmology. Um, and she's also katie and my oldest child and uh welcome jesse fleming <laughs> it's so great to be here i have been waiting 122 episodes to be invited so thank you for finally getting around to it i know well it's know. With, with pleasure it is with pleasure jesser and uh um it really is a joy to have you on the show and brooks and i we've been talking about christian worldview uh and specifically christian education um this month in our KC Corner, as you know, because I know you're one of our uh, continued listeners. So thank you for being a loyal listener to the Corner. We love the fact that you do. Um, and Jesse, you are a product of Christian school um, from very early on. As a matter of fact, pre-K, K through 12, four years of Covenant College. Um, and by the way, President Biden's trying to take help you pay off that loan now, which is probably <laughs> nice. Too bad your parents couldn't pay a whole way. So as a product of Christian school, uh, you, you, you've had the experience with that for sure. I have, certainly. And, uh, yeah. and, I, and I know that you, you're a Christian worldview junkie, and, uh, and I love that about you. And so I want to talk a little bit about that with you. Again, your, your kids aren't yet at the age of being in a Christian school. Um, but I already know that you're preparing them and uh, wrestling with Todd about uh, what is going to be your choice of education that you're going to partner with. Because I know that you know that the primacy of Christian education uh, is, is the home uh, and it's the parents. As a matter of fact, one of the books that we're going to be talking about that Jesse introduced me to is Mama Bear Apologetics. And it's so good. I, I brought it to our church, uh, uh, the King's Chapel Women's Council has this book, and uh, it's a fantastic book for parents. But right in the beginning of that book, I think it's in the introduction, that it says no longer uh, can parents uh, let the church or a youth ministry uh, or a Christian school uh, be the teacher. And that, that was never the uh, context biblically, but there is certainly an issue or an urgency now with a Christian worldview. So, um, so again, thank you for coming. And Jesse, the question I want to start off with you is, 
it seems like we live in a time, it's a little bit different even from when you were growing up as a little girl, where the world has a message it's trying to shove down our children's throat. And it's constant, it's bombarding them. So it, tell me a little bit about being a mom and just feeling the reality that the world in which they are growing up in um, has a message that's not a Christ-like message that is really gonna be shoved down their throats. I would say having a K through college education, I had this, this wonderful um, affirmation of the faith. Um, I would say, you know, the wisdom that I was getting, I wasn't having to filter it so much, so many times through so many, um, or just like through a filtration system that says, is this really what God has to say? Is this truth? Um, but rather a lot of that wisdom was imparted to me. And then, you know, I could kind of wrestle for it and make it my own. Um, I would say, you know, as you get older, and part of this maybe is, I, you know, I've even in my own thinking have been wrestling with, is the world different or am I just getting older and I'm more aware of what the world is? Yeah. And you I know, think- I, I, I feel the same way, Jesse. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just yeah. the reality is I know the world is different, but I'm also getting older. I'm like, am I just getting more angry? Am I just getting, you know, what's, what's going <laughs> on? It's like, uh, you know, you get to a certain age and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to be grumpy. And I, and I don't want to just be, uh, and I love what Mama Bear Apologetic says, you know, we don't want to be just no factories of just telling our kids no, 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 no. And yeah. uh, but but at the same time, the world is definitely a different place. Uh, you were born at the end of 89. I guess you never should tell a woman's age. And uh, um, but, you know, where we are uh, just in the time since then, it's it's staggering. So anyway, I, I would say in. <laughs> know my my little vantage point right now it feels like you know when you are not following christ you are living in rebellion you are living Mm. in in which we all would apart from the saving work of jesus um and i think there was a time when we just culturally there were more people identifying as christians and not living in overt rebellion to god to his word to the truth of scripture Um, to his created order. And so whether it was genuine faith in Christ or just social pressures of like, this is a loosely Christianized nation, um, you know, we had, we were insulated from a lot of that, just like um, outright rebellion. Right. Um, and, And then I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of wisdom of like, you know, as soon as, you know, today is something that you accept tomorrow, something is something that you will praise or, um, and so it's just a slippery slope, right? It's a slippery slope. And, you know, that slope seems to be getting so much more traction and speed. It's so fast of how things come. I remember early on when I was a youth pastor and postmodernism was becoming in vogue and people were wrestling with what is truth and you know, truth could be something that you embrace. It's different from me. And, and just the questioning of that and to see where we are today and, and what has actually come about. Uh, it's mm. staggering from where we are. So and personally, I think too, with that, like, so there's so many more things to do in general, just like you can scroll TikTok for two hours. You could do anything. People are working more hours than they normally are. Normally were not and taking longer to have kids get married and everything like that. Like their time is just being taken up. So when you say like, oh, you now have to wake up early on Sunday morning to go to church, or you see this big, huge Bible and this big, huge book, like 
they're intimidated of like, I could either scroll TikTok or I could read this old book that has crazy stories. And I think it can be intimidating for people that weren't necessarily born into it. That's, that's so true, Brooks. And you know, the, rea the reality is we're going to talk about parents being the primary people that need to be providing a Christian education for their children. But if, if the parents are consumed in TikToks and, and if the parents are consumed and really not getting into the word or digging in or don't have a, uh, a, a nicely developed Christian worldview themselves, you just can't hand off what you don't have. And there are so many distractions and it will take some discipline. But yeah, but I, I love the word you said earlier, Jesse, it's there's an urgency to this. And I, I feel that as well. It feels like there's an urgency with the world's agenda. It seems like they're with urgency trying to jam things down our, our, our throats and, and, you know, call us names if, if we take a stand and, uh, you know, call us bigoted or narrow-minded uh, if we have a Christian worldview. But I think Christians have been lulled to sleep. As you were saying, Brooks, I mean, there's so many distractions. And uh, I think one of the greatest things the enemy could do is just basically have us not care, not engage. Um, but what Paul will say to the church in Corinth, hey, we got to take every thought captive for the obedience of Christ. That has never been more urgent than it is today. Uh, and if, if God's people don't have God's word in front of them, if they don't have the mind of Christ um, being pressed upon them, it's going to be hard to counter a world uh, that that is uh, prepared to jam their doctrine down our throat and uh, mm -hmm. their worldview. So how, how urgent that is. So In the Tim Keller uh, uh, article that we may tackle in our next kind of topic uh, for this podcast, he mentioned uh, perhaps the most culturally important religious trend in the United States is the rise of the, quote, nuns, those American adults who say they have no religious preference. In 1972, just 5% of Americans claimed to have no religion, but by 2018, that number was just under 24%. And that's pretty drastic. Like not saying they're saying they're not atheists, don't believe anything, just, just like they don't care. And it, that kind of points to just being distracted by other things and not even thinking about it. Like it doesn't even cross their mind. It's just like, I'm just living, I have what's in front of me and don't think about anything like that. Oh, it's so sad, isn't it? I mean, that's mm -hmm. no way to live. So, so Jesse is a young man, a young man, a young mom. Uh, that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast right there, you know? Oh my goodness. As a young mom, um, you know, that has fallen in love with this book, Mama Bear Apologetics. Tell me a little bit more about this book. I mean, to how, how you found this, what this has done for you, how this has come alongside you. Tell me a little bit about Mama Bear Apologetics. Yeah. So as a young mom, you are very overwhelmed. I don't know that I've met a mom who thinks like, oh, this is really easy the first go round. Um, you know, seemingly everything about your life changes when you bring that baby home from the hospital or when you first find out you're pregnant, you know, and you're preparing your heart for um, now raising a child. Um, and so in, in that like sort of desperation of thinking, okay, I want to orient my life right. I want to, you know, not major in the minors. I would really like to have um, a home where the gospel is clear and where my child knows it. And so these are like these big lofty ideals. And then you're also like taking care of a child that doesn't sleep and like needs <laughs> constant attention, yeah. right? So it's really overwhelming. And I think in, in that season of early motherhood, um, I was pretty desperate for 
like godly wisdom. And I would say mm. a lot of people at my age and stage um, were not necessarily seeking God's wisdom um, for what it means to be a mom. Um, I think as a millennial, uh, you know, we have, we have our own issues. I think a lot of them, in fact, um, but uh, there's not a lot of uh, appreciation, reverence for generations that came before and have wisdom to impart. And so it felt to me like my generation was re reinventing the wheel. You know, we're so much smarter when it comes to child psychology now. And therefore, like we approach everything differently. We approach discipline differently. We approach expectations differently. And I sort of was caught up in this world of, there's a lot of like chatter and little things being said that I thought, this doesn't sit right with me. I, I find myself a little at war with, um, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe the science has proven that kids actually respond, you know, this way. Um, but I thought my ultimate basis of reality, truth, good comes from God's word, from scripture. Um, and I wish I could say that just made me nosedive straight into reading my Bible every day. Um, but instead, I would say I picked up this from, I think it was Grace Hooper. And of course, she is one of the, the loyals that will actually listen to this. So thank you, Googie. Um, yeah. Googie, uh, it was either a recommendation from one of her coworkers or her sister-in-law um, and just said, hey, I think that that you'd love this book. It's great. And it, I, the Lord just was gave me such encouragement reading the wisdom of this book that put a lot of things, um, put definitions to things that I kind of was like generally feeling, but had concern with. Um, and you know, how do we, how do we live in this world? What do we prioritize? What matters? And so, um, yeah, it was just a time of a lot of reflection for me, I would say. Um, and then it exposed a lot of bad ideas that I had just, you know, adopted because I hadn't thought very critically about it. And I think that, you know, that word discernment that you've already brought up that I think we'll talk about even more. It, it matters so much. And, you know, you have a culture that's really hostile to our worldview. So we can't just assume that, you know, the general ideas of the time are going to be something that are both compatible with Christian doctrine and, you know, raising your kids to love the Lord. So. Well, Jesse, I, I've seen firsthand of what it takes for you to be a mom of three kids, uh, ages three and under. I mean, and it is constant. And I, I'm I'm exhausted just watching. And so here, to me, you have this crossroads of an urgency in your heart to try to, you know, press upon your children the gospel, press upon them a Christian worldview, even at the earliest days. But your time is is so taken with demands. I mean, again, a the demands of a mother with three children and a husband who's, you know, doing his residency, I don't, I, I, I'm amazed that you find time to read anything. And I, I'm amazed that you find time. Uh, and I know that you're, uh, you love uh, Moeller's podcast, The Briefing. I know that most days you are, you're listening to that. I know that you're sending me articles. So I, I love the fact that in your urgency for this as a mother, as a Christian mother, you have carved the time out um, to try to learn and to try to grow. Now, I also want to speak to a lot of moms out there. I'm sure there's a lot if you're just hanging on. God bless you. And if this is a season where 
you just can't, this is not about guilt and shame, but I think that there's, this is about priorities of where, where will you learn? Because, you know, when I read through uh, Mama Bear Apologetics, you know, there was a chapter that was talking about discernment, but it was saying how to teach your kids how to chew and spit. And I, I love that mentality. It's like, you know, they're going to be given so much information in this world. And a lot of it's going to be bad. I mean, a lot of and some of the real bad stuff is going to be wrapped in some truth and wrapped in some good things. So how do you teach your kids to chew and to spit? I mean, to chew on what they're being told and spit out the bad stuff. So can you can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that chewing and spitting? Uh, uh, it seems like I've seen a lot of spit up, but what, <laughs> yeah, what do you right. think about that? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I really appreciated uh, that um, description um, of how to engage the world, you know, how to, and how to engage friendships. You know, I, I think as, as soon as I started saying, I don't think that that particular way of disciplining your child or that method um, is godly, it's easy to, to be dismissive of, you know, that friendship even, and that is such a danger. And I think that is certainly not what the Lord is calling us to, but rather to engage, to hopefully have iron sharpening iron. If these are fellow believers of saying like, oh man, like the Lord really exposed something to me. Um, and you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, let's dialogue about it. Um, but, um, I, I do think there are, there's so much, so many cultural lies, right. Um, but she talks about in the book, how, how important it is. And this is, she talks about how like developmentally it's when your kids, you know, at a young age, there are things that are very black and white. You know, you are teaching very basic fundamental, like this is God's created order, that sort of thing. But, you know, as they're wrestling more with like, what is truth? What is morality? Who is God? Um, it's really important to allow your kid to understand um, that, you know, even an atheist has good ideas. There are things that common grace insights that they will actually bring to the table that believers would say wholeheartedly, yes, like we back yeah. that, that is so true. And it's really important to be able to dialogue like that with your kids. Otherwise, when they get out into the world by themselves and they find out like these people who don't claim Christ have a lot of good things to say that are true and right, they're gonna now say, well, my parents, obviously they were either ignorant or they were like, they were just flat out wrong and they're, you know, judgmental and um, I can't trust them. And so I think that she's helping protect, you know, kids um, by saying like, you have to have these conversations to understand, like even a non-believer will have a great common, you know, common grace insight. And that's something to join arms with people about, like, you know, where can you say, in your neighborhood, like, yeah, we both are totally wanting to have a cleaner street. Let's do that together. You know, let's care for God's earth. Um, you know, what, what that can look like to both engage the non-believer and then also within the church to have the discretion to know, hey, actually this sounds like something that does, doesn't sit right. Like the Holy Spirit kind of is like prompting me to think maybe that's not true and maybe I need to go back to scripture and, and seek more uh, wisdom about something that I'm even hearing within the church. Um, and so there, that sanctifying process, the reality is that needs to be happening in your own heart for you to impart that on your kids. And I think they, 
start in the book of just saying that, like, you know, you're by preparing your children, by caring about all of this, um, you know, in the process, you're equipping and being prepared yourself. Um, so which I thought was a lot of insight. And I, I love the fact they said you want to really be let them discern in a way that is winsome, uh, that is true, that they're not afraid of, you mm -hmm. know, the world having something said that does contain truth. But they'll be able to filter through a world's message, chew on it for a little bit and spit out what is not healthy and what is not good. And to me, there's an urgency of we got to have filters. I mean, how how do we know, how do we teach our kids, okay, now, now be careful of this message. I mean, this message is going to try to tell you something about sexuality or teach you about marriage that really isn't biblical. And you know, we got to be careful and spit that out. And here's why. And we can always trust God's word and his truth will never lead us astray. But it makes me as a pastor, Jesse, have an urgency to keep trying to press and teach and preach and live and model a Christian worldview that is that is biblically based, that's on the gospel, that just gives us the filters. Because, you know, Brooks has mentioned earlier, I mean, our guard is down where there's so many distractions. And if we don't have discernment, you know, if we don't have discernment, we're, we're not providing discernment for our children, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I, I love scripture. I, I wanted to start with this and, and I didn't, but let me go back to Psalm 78. And this month I've been meditating on it and I pray for my grandchildren um, and the ones that are still to come with this. And it says, he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet born, a shout out to JP and Kyla, expecting their first, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Um, and I just, I love that. I mean, this is a biblical call of pressing it upon our children and not just having a memorized scripture, but to understand God's story, to understand how we fit God's priorities, God's values, and to be able to chew on what's in front of us and spit out uh, what is not healthy for us. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a tall challenge. It is. I would say an, another big thing for me was um, acknowledging where, which voices I was listening to. I think um, there was a time really right around becoming a mom um, and thinking, I, I think just thinking more critically about what I was allowing to shape my worldview. No, it's very easy, I've realized, to compartmentalize the wisdom that you are receiving in church and then all other wisdom from the world. And somehow, I, I think I was, and I would say a lot of my friends, peers fall into this category too, of really audaciously believing because I, I understand God, because I have a Christian worldview, I have the ability to filter all of the other news and sources and wisdom of the world through that. And mm -hmm. I think um, I personally just became convicted of the the volume of which I was like receiving wisdom from people who do not believe in Christ was way outweighing the wisdom of those who do. And um, and it was changing my thought processes. And it was I I was able to discern it in the big topics, like oh that's not godly. But in the smaller topics, I really wasn't. And I was being shaped by that. And so I, you know, that's not to say that you shouldn't read and listen to people from different religious backgrounds and people who think very different than you, you should. 
But I do think that there is wisdom in knowing like the volume of which you are consuming the wisdom of the world, as opposed to those who have the discretion and the discernment and the wisdom of the Lord. Yeah, I think yeah, that, going back to how the world's changed, I resonate with that completely because I think, Jesse, you and I are very similar of if we don't have anything going on, if we're just doing the dishes, cooking, you taking care of kids, like we probably have AirPods on and listening to podcasts and audiobooks and all sorts of stuff. And I felt the same way. It was just, you know, I like listening to sports podcasts and comedy podcasts and everything like that. But when you start just only listening to that stuff, it you know, that's what fills your brain and you have to fill it with some good sometimes and recognizing that like you, you can have too much information and too much secular information going into your brain at points. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Amen. Um, hey, let me, let me pivot here. I've, I've loved this, but I, I can I ask you a, a personal question? You, Todd and you will be deciding who you're going to partner with in regard to the education of your children. I kind of set that question up. <laughs> but who are you going to partner with? I mean, you know, the, the, the great country that we live in, they're going to offer you a public school for your children. You are a product of a Christian school. Um, you know, there's a homeschool movement. Um, what will be the key indicators or what will be the deciding factors or maybe you've already decided, you know, as Polly gets ready here to uh, start her career education, you know, um, kind of not, not necessarily outside the home, but you, you know what I'm saying, her, mm. her education. So how are you guys going to decide who you partner with? It's a great question. And one that I've been thinking about a lot over the course of the last couple of years. Um, and I would say I've been in a, a season of collecting information, <laughs> um, you know, really wanting to know, um, you know, hoping to listen um, to, hey, what, what does it look like to steward the time with our kids well um, to um, the best we can be, um, like what does the Bible have to say about education basically? You know, what what wisdom can we gain from God's word, you know? And Todd and I both have full Christian education except his like, you know, post back and then grad school. Um, and we are very grateful for that. I have no doubt that it has um, shaped who I am. Um, I think the greatest shaping um, in terms of my spiritual walk was at home. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. I think what um, you and mom gave me, I hopefully have said enough in my adult life. I've been increasingly grateful for um, it. You know, I undoubtedly has shaped me the most, but my Christian education also has shaped me a ton. And I would say um, having mentors, having teachers, people who I really looked up to, who loved Jesus, who, you know, helped me navigate the world, helped me make sense of things. Um, really grateful for that. Uh, yes, I would say in this season, uh, we've kind of just like, hey, let's find out all about education. And Todd's like, I think we should bring back the system of uh, hiring a tutor. And, you know, each child has a tutor in the house. <laughs> Um, we can't afford that, so that will not be an option for us, but um, uh, I understand what he's saying. I, I would say I have become um, just really excited about the role that God has given me in my kids' lives, and so that means I, I really treasure the fact that I have these years with them, and I care to learn. I care to, you know, filter all of God's word uh, world through his word, through his wisdom. And so if I get to do that with my kids, I would count that an incredible blessing. And so 
I don't know the logistics of what it would look like for me to majority homeschool our kids, but I'm, I'm very fond of that idea at the present. Um, and um, I, I would love to be in a network of other families that are also hoping um, to raise their, their children with wisdom and, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn. And so you certainly acknowledge the fact that you're not um, a genius or, you know, the most qualified in any particular area. But I do think you can cultivate in your children a love of learning and also a, you know, a discretion of which to, you know, hey, if, if you help them learn how to be great readers, that's going to tee them up for the rest of their life as they're learning to navigate whatever they do. Um, sure. So, yeah, did that answer your question? So I don't know. It did. But... And, and, I, and I think different seasons of life, Jess, you know, that God has you in, you will have to make decisions along the way, where you are, you know, what's going on in life. But again, I think you have it started from home. Hey, we're going to, we're going to start here and, you know, partner with those that make the most sense down the road. But mm -hmm. what, what are you, what are you doing now? I mean, your kids aren't in school. They're young. Uh, what are a couple things you're doing now that you might want to share with some of the other young moms that might be listening? I mean, when I say now, what, what, how, how are you help? I love the video you just sent to the family text of Polly quoting Romans 10, 9. Uh, it was so beautiful. Not only was she quoting how you can be saved, she was also kind of having a, emotions to that. And it was just so precious. But what are you doing now? I mean, you're so busy, Jess. There's so much going on. I don't mean to put the pressure on you, but are there a couple of things that you really are excited about that um, that you see bearing fruit or that yeah. you just really feel God's pleasure? Um, good question. And I would say, yes, it is a busy season. And you're, you're totally right that I tell people all the time, like it's very constant. But the Lord ordained that we, after we really hoped that we would stay in Durham for residency. We had family and or we didn't have family there. We had friends there, <laughs> we had a network, we had a church. We felt like we knew the area. Um, and we thought, well, you know, we have this young family, we would love to stay. And the Lord had us move and um, to a place where we knew, I, I knew the name and number of one gal. And so was kind of able to say like, tell, can you tell me where we should try to find a home? Um, but other than that, this was a totally new place. And I would say in, the, in this season, the Lord ordained it this way that I have had more time to be reflective and that is one thing that I would encourage moms to be. I, this was not like, I think if I had stayed in Durham, I would have been just as busy as I had been, but because we moved here, it was like still, you know, people still had COVID, you know, uh, precautions out. So like things weren't as open and I had, you know, infant twins and a toddler at home. And so I didn't have the same fast paced life. And I would say, if anything, just the, the discipline of doing that in that season, I realized, wow, I should have been living like this before. And so part of it is being really wise with not just saying yes for the sake of saying yes, or not feeling that FOMO of like, oh, I'm missing out or like, oh, my kids should be involved in that or, oh, I need to sign up for that. Um, there, I, I just would say I have benefited so much from having fewer things that I feel obligated towards and you know, as we are adjusting to being this larger family. Um, and then at the same, and then also, um, I really do, I hope to hide God's word in my kid's heart. And so um, I know that, you know, these 
these lofty theological things don't make sense now, but the reality is, you know, you hide your God's word in your heart. It does not return void. It, it will be a source of comfort and wisdom when you draw later on of like these questions of like, do I have any truth of which to hold to? And we just hope and pray as we're planting these seeds that Lord would continue to water them. And so, um, I, I do, I, I love like albums that are scripture verses that we listen to when we're playing and, you know, learning the lyrics of, you know, God's word, um, in those songs. Um, and then, yeah, I just started, um, just each week, Polly and I are trying to memorize a Bible verse and, um, and they are full of God's truth. And I tried to explain to her, we started with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And um, so, you know, to understand God created all of these things. And so we talk about it every time. And a lot of times she's just like doing this going, you know, can we, <laughs> can we watch Paw Patrol now or whatever? But I, I don't doubt the fact that because I've had enough conversations after the fact where she'll repeat back to me some of these truths. And I'm like, you were kind of listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. So starting young, just to realize, you know, they're gleaning some of this, they're learning a lot. Um, and every time you articulate it out, you are also preaching to yourself the word of the Lord. and the Amen. Truth. So, Amen. The one who waters gets watered. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was thinking as you're talking, Psalm 119 says, how can a young man or woman keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored your up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's, that, that's a, uh, that's a great exhortation. Is there anything else, Miss uh, Jesse? Um, but by the way, my nickname for her is Jesser Pot Pie, and she's <laughs> always been that. Don't know why, but she's my Jesser Pot Pie. So, anything else, uh, Jesser Pot Pie, that you would like to uh, send out to the Casey Corner world? Thank you. I have only seventy-two more minutes worth of material now. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but I would just, say yeah. um, my. The one piece of advice I give new moms at this, this stage when I'm still a new mom too, but is to say the world wants to tell you that being a mom is really, really hard, but that you are perfect at it, that you know you are fully qualified and to completely unshackle yourself from mom guilt. This is a big thing in meme world and like just the culture at large, you know, like, hey, you know, you're perfect. Don't let the haters <laughs> bring you down. Don't, don't let yourself bring you down. You know, you're perfect. Um, and you even see this floating around in Christian circles. And this is, goes back to that, like lack of discernment of like, we just pick up on these things. And then because it's not seemingly like directly from scripture or not from scripture, you know, we have a hard time saying like, is this true? Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly believe that is bad advice <laughs> because Yes, being a mom makes you feel inadequate. It, it really does. And it's very humbling, but it is so sanctifying because in that inadequacy, you find your dependency on Christ. And I believe that probably the greatest testimony you can give your kids is to say, I am dependent upon a Lord that is Amen. good. He created us. He loves us. He redeems us. He saves us. We can spend eternity with him. And and, you know, mom duffed it again, mom, mom goofed. And to acknowledge that, you know, the times that I just, I'm impatient and I take a tone that is so unkind to stop and say, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? I am going to ask the Lord to forgive me too. You know, this is not how we um, are to live. And yet we make mistakes and God forgives us. All of these things are living out the gospel. And so latching on to any like, Hey, 
get rid of that mom guilt. You are enough is really denying the gospel to yourself and your kids. And so I think just acknowledging that, like, because it's really easy to get sucked into how relatable it is. You know, you see this like little meme about like folding the laundry and, oh my gosh, you know, these, you know, the toddler said and did this. And you, because you find it so relatable, you latch onto the message, but the message is really antithetical to the gospel. So that is my hope for new moms. Resist that, lean into Christ. Well, listen, I I think that that's so important. What a great place to end because, you know, uh, no matter where you are in your sanctification process, you use that or, or your understanding of the Christian worldview or your biblical knowledge. The greatest thing that we could show our children is that we need a savior. Mm-hmm. And we have that opportunity to show that every day because we are sinners saved by grace. And, you know, I always tell people just be in love with Jesus and, you know, be who you are in love with Jesus. And mm-hmm. of course I, want to say read your bible and you know do those things but if you love jesus you're going to want to do it yeah um and i think if we could be you know quick to be asking forgiveness and and modeling that we need a big savior and jesus is enough Mm -hmm. it's that's that's awesome well done jesser pot pie Yes, her pot pie. And she segued perfectly for us for what you what you meant to say for forgiveness and God's family values this past week. Yeah, you know, and what she did it on purpose, too. She did. (laughs) She's always setting me up. She's amazing. So, you know, really uh, to think of forgiveness as a value of God, because first and foremost, forgiveness, it starts from him. I mean, what an amazing, merciful, gracious God who could love sinners like us. It's incredible. And, you know, I'll be quick here. Um, it was deep. I know the last few weeks, Brooks, have been kind of heavy. You know, we've talking about God's justice and mercy. And we turned around and we talk about forgiveness. And, you know, that's a topic that's kind of deep water, but it's so important for us to know it and uh, to know our God of forgiveness. I mean, it's a God who initiates forgiveness by sending us his son. And, and it's his son who is that object of forgiveness. God cannot be holy he cannot maintain his holiness um, and still be merciful without his son absorbing his wrath on the cross, without him being bleeding over and covering our sins and atoning for our sins. I mean, and you see the Holy Spirit applying that. So really what I tried to say is let's look at our God. I mean, this is forgiveness all originates with him. It's all possible because of him. He's the one we offend. He's the one that we need to get forgiveness from. So. And, and then even with that, is that that love should be the goal and fuel of it all. I, mean, I love mm-hmm. the story that Jesus tells of, of that woman that showed up at Simon the leper's house that was weeping over his feet, that Jesus said hey, she had many sins, but they're forgiven by God's grace through faith. And she loves much. And I, I, I hope that um, as we realize the depth of our brokenness and our sinfulness and we confess those sins and we find out that God really is just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that there'll be this deep, overwhelming love for God and forgiveness. And so, mm-hmm. and it's not just an Amish thing. You know, again, I, I read that, that uh, email uh, from Barbara Carpenter's brother about how she was able to forgive her son's killer. It's incredible to be able to do that. Um, but that should be a way of life for us. So mm-hmm. you have any thoughts yeah. on that, Brooks? 
Yeah, and it's it's a two-way street too. I know when people hear a sermon on forgiveness, they think, oh, I need to forgive this person that they're holding a grudge against. But even Jesse just hit on it as asking for forgiveness from her kids when she's having a crazy day and they're screaming and crying and she got a little cranky and asking for <laughs> forgiveness from others when you're, you know, messing with them or did something wrong to them. It's not just, oh, I have a grudge against this person. I need to forgive them. It's a two-way street with it. You know, and the only way you're going to ask forgiveness, Brooks, is if the gospel set you free. Because if, if your identity is in Christ, uh, you could be seen as a sinner, you know, because that's what we are. And I, I, I'm going to confess the reality that, oh, man, I'm, I'm broken. But if, if I'm trying to impress and if my pride doesn't want to show weakness, uh, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. Uh, it's going to be, no, I can't model that. And, and the gospel is the power to allow us to, to uh ask for forgiveness because we know we're safe we're safe in a god who forgives us we're safe in a god who loves us we're safe in a god who robes us in his son's righteousness and you know i think the whole christian life should be just one continual uh, repent and believe repent and believe um our whole life mm -hmm. yeah do you so, want to do a little what i hope to say this week and it's the last yeah week, god's family values. this is this is the last week. We're going to talk about hospitality. Uh, we're talking about, you know, how do we treat the world around us, especially in light of the fact that, you know, the world is so right now, it seems like uh, in conflict, you know, how, how do we show kindness, love, hospitality to our neighbors? So, um, you know, I love the fact that throughout scripture, um, the God is a God who says, hey, pay attention to the sojourner. You were once a sojourner. Uh, pay attention, show hospitality. Uh, this is an important value because this is who our God is. So we're going to, we're going to end. And this is what King's Chapel needs to hear. We're a great church. Uh, I mentioned in our vision uh, presentation, we have a tendency to be like a lot of churches, inward focused, loving on one another. Uh, and it could be easy to look past those who are, are around us um, that we should be welcoming, that we should be, as, as we said, you know, equipping those among us to reach those around us. And so how do you do that? You do it winsomely with hospitality. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. So, sounds like any, changing. Any KC, huh? updates before we, any KC updates before we leave? Yes, we're going to have a chime change coming up on September 11th. Huge, big, uh, our worship is going to move to 1030 so we can start something called KC in the AM. We got a great Sunday school. It's going to call Foundations. Real important for people to jump in. So that's the biggest thing. Um, there's a lot of new things that we're launching, a lot of new mission uh, ministry initiatives. Uh, those of in, in the King's Chapel family, they're all on our church app. Uh, you know, they'll be up on our website. Uh, everything from uh, creeds and coffee on Thursday mornings to, uh, you know, First Friday fellowships. I mean, there's a, there's a lot coming your way. So stay tuned. Lots of stuff going on. The fall is kicking off. Kids are back in school. It's it's a good time of year. Football is in the air. Football's in the air. Far away. <laughs> Come on, let's go. This will be great. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks again, Brooksy. Thank you. Uh, thanks for doing this. Jesse, thank you so much for jumping in and joining us. It was such a blessing. Thank you. Love being here. It won't be 121 episodes for until your next appearance. We'll get you on soon. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. We'll wait and see what the reviews say, maybe. But yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see the, we'll see the viewership numbers. <laughs> we'll see you guys we'll see Sunday. You guys. All right, blessings, everybody. Bye.